you know, look, I mean, if Texas A&M beats Alabama in a few weeks, then those kids aren't going to remember a Clemson loss. That's a I big mean, if. That, but come on, that's a big if. Right. It's a big if, right? <laughs> that's, but, that's hey, a pretty – It's a big if, but that's – you know, look, I mean, that's kind of where, to me, a program boom. I mean, I think Tom Herman, everybody talks about Welcome to the State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach and hosted by Bobby Burton. Roach offers unparalleled insight into recruiting on the 40 acres. Each week, he crisscrosses the state watching and talking to blue chip recruits. And I'm Bobby Burton, a 1992 Texas grad and one of the recruiting industry's founding fathers. I played a formative role in the creation of both 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook them. All right, well, we're on the heels of the 45-38 loss to LSU for the Longhorns uh, this week, this past weekend in, in DK, DKR. Uh, the Horns have Rice in Houston this weekend. Uh and uh, our Mike Roach is actually on the road. Uh, so uh, we're bringing in a, a very special guest, uh, someone that's uh, been a friend of mine. And I've worked with him in the past, but he, he, main, uh, he and I maintain a friendship to this day. And that's uh, Jerry Hamilton of ESPN. Welcome in, Jerry. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we're able to do this. We've talked about doing this before and, and whatnot. And so... Uh, uh, you're always someone that I admire talking to and, and enjoy your feedback. So hopefully we can uh, spread the wealth here to, to people that are, are uh, recruiting fans. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I, let's just start off with the, the ramifications, really, of the Texas LSU game. What are your thoughts? My thoughts is the returns were positive. Um, you know, one of the things I look at is what the job Chris Del Conte has done at Texas – making game day what it is in Austin now. I think the guy's done a great job. I think the feedback from kids on the experience is something totally different than it has been in recent years. And I think sometimes that part of it's lost because you just want the quotes from the kids and, um, you know, the the player so-and-so get much time with Tom Herman or whatnot. But I think all the Pistons have to be firing. And and I think Chris Del Conte has Texas football on the right track uh, from what he can do to help Tom Herman and the program. I think the feedback's been really good. I want to say, though, you know, look, I know we'll talk about it a little bit, but to me, Oklahoma State's a must win now. I mean, you can't start two and two. You can't lose a couple of home games early. That's when some, you know, you can start to some, see some cracks in recruiting a little bit, I think, and give some other people the opportunity to come in and have a strong voice on the uh, kid you're still recruiting. But I think the returns have been very, very good. Yeah, you you mentioned Oklahoma State, and obviously that that's a. I think we both identified that as a as a big game, uh, strictly from a recruiting standpoint and Big Twelve championship standpoint. Uh, one of the things that that uh, I think that is it helps game day atmosphere when your team is actually decent. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Charlie Strong never really had that. Uh, Mac Brown had created such an expectation level that in his latter years he, he came up short again and again and so that lagged that that uh that that kind of uh 
uh, fan base support. Uh, so I think that your mention of Del Conte, combined with the fact that Herman himself and uh, the players and staff have, have kind of become a better program, uh, all combined, and, and, and you put it a, a good way, all the Pistons firing. That's really what you want. You want everybody from your athletic director down to your PA announcer on the same page. And, and Bobby, here's the other part about that. The offense is fun to watch for kids again. How long has it been since you can say that? I mean, that's a big thing in recruiting offensive players. When you look at your competition, when you recruit against Oklahoma, you and I both know that's a heck of a fun offense for a kid to watch, right? And to see Texas have a fun offense again for receivers to watch, players to watch, uh, I think is going to is going to be something that's really helpful moving forward in 2021 and 2022 because that's where recruiting is. It's more looking into the future than it is now, not taking anything away from the big targets left in the 2020 class. Right. I, th- I think that's fair. And, and to that point, um, I really wanted to, you know, so often, and you and I have talked about this uh, off air, so often in-state recruiting battles come down to the Longhorns and Aggies. Um, And Texas had a hard-fought loss, I guess is the best way to put it. But it was a a very exciting game. Uh, Texas certainly had some things to hang its hat on during the game. Uh, They did lose. Likewise, or actually in juxtaposition, A&M goes over to Clemson and lays an egg. Um, Maybe Clemson's a better program than LSU. I think that that's probably pretty clear. So it's a more difficult assignment. At the same time, the Aggies looked flat uh, and and looked thoroughly dominated for much of that game. Now, you and I both know kids don't watch as much football as as fans like to think they do. (laughs) You know, they're they're not glued to the TVs on Saturdays like most fans. But do you think that the combination of those two games will have an effect on any kids in 2020, 2021, 2022, or, or where do you come out on that? I, I, I'm not sure this early I can say that because, you know, look, I mean, if Texas A&M beats Alabama in a few weeks, then those kids aren't going to remember Clemson loss. That's a I big mean, if. That, but come on, that's a big if. Right. It's a big <laughs> if, right? That's, but, that's hey, a pretty – That's It's a big if, but that's – you know, look, I mean, that's kind of where, to me, a program boom. I mean, I think Tom Herman, everybody talks about USC, but I think the win over Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl last year and then Georgia at the end of the year, obviously, but that win over Oklahoma – was a big deal in recruiting to me for Tom Herman in Texas. So, I mean, if you look at Jimbo Fisher and A&M, he needs that win. Yeah, the LSU, but I'm talking the Clemson, the Alabama. He needs one of those wins against a, a perennial playoff team, to me, to really kickstart that. And he's at recruiting really good players. I think you and I both agree. But to really kickstart it, you know, look, they have some good games left on the schedule for recruiting uh you know, and, and to get your message across to kids, whether it's Auburn, whether it's LSU at the end of the year, boy, that might, that might be a fun game to be at, by the way, after last year. But, you know, I think you look at it and they have some opportunities there um, to overcome the Clemson loss. We'll see if they do that. Um, I, I think the thing when you look at those recruiting battles between those two teams, if Texas makes a second straight Big 12 championship, appearance a championship game appearance i think that is does huge things for the texas program and tom herman and his staff moving forward i I actually think it would be a disappointing season if they don't get there again 
I think that's totally fair. I, I, I think that it would be disappointing, although highly possible. You know, I, I think that the, the Big 12 is going to, you know, we've yet to see what Jalen Hurts looks like against a, a real defense uh, for OU. Uh, Oklahoma State looks like it's rebounding. TCU, we don't know yet because they don't even know who their quarterback is. Um, and so Baylor, it, you know, it has a prolific offense. Uh, and there are other other pieces of the puzzle, too, that we could haven't even mentioned, like Kansas State and Texas Tech that, that uh, have come out all guns blazing, uh, so to speak. Um, Texas picked up a commitment over the weekend from a kid uh, out of Denton Ryan. He's actually the top-rated player in their class right now, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, uh, for the class of 2021, and that's Jatavian Sanders. Can you tell us uh, about Jatavian? Yeah, I really, I like him at that outside linebacker rush position long term. I, I think that's where he fits best. Um, you know, he's just a kid. I think he's a really good athlete. I don't know if he's a great athlete. I think he's a really good athlete and a really solid football player. I love the Denton Ryan program. I, I think those kids have some toughness, some physicality to them. I mean, you just watch Billy Bowman, watch Spencer Sanders, the quarterback at Oklahoma State. They're, they're tough kids coming out of that program. Um, and that's one. Of, I think that staff is doing a great job up there. But I think he's a kid who definitely projects the defense, definitely projects to that position that Joseph Osai plays, Byron Vaughn's plays. I think that's where you're going to see him, unless Yancey just does some uh, really big things with that kid's body, which you can't rule out because, you know, to me, Yancey is the not to take away from any of the coaches at Texas, but Yancey's the reason that you're seeing this program ascend to me. I, I just think that what he's doing is unbelievable with kids. So when you take a, a, a piece of clay like Jatavion Sanders, you can't rule out he plays his, with his hand on the ground long term. But I think outside linebackers where his fit is. You mentioned Yancey. You're talking about Yancey McKnight, obviously the head of the strength and conditioning program that, that uh, Tom Herman brought with him from Houston and, and his impact. And we could talk about that. We could probably have, have a whole segment on state of recruiting on Yancey McKnight and his impact in recruiting because I, I completely agree. But on, on Sanders, Jerry, how big is he really? You know, the, I, I think he's – I'm looking to see right now we, what we have him at um, – to see, I he did not come. Let me see. I'm trying to think. Six three two twenty two is what we had him at in February of 2019, and that's with a 78 wingspan, 10 inch hands. So he's a he, he's got long arms for a six three kid, a uh, big hands. So he's a big features kid. But at like I said in February of 2019, he was weighing 222 pounds at six three without shoes. Yeah, and so you don't you really don't know what he's going to grow into at all. I mean, he could end right. up being 260 exactly in a moment, moments notice in the right situation and and, and if and body type and all that other stuff. Um, you also mentioned his teammate Billy Bowman. Uh, yep. Jatavian, did, what does Jatavian play in high school? Stavian plays a little bit of defensive end and a little bit of tight end. Okay, so he's he's two ways. Bowman though is the receiver there that's committed to Texas also at Denton Ryan, yeah, right? Yeah, a receiver, but Texas loves him as a nickel or safety um, on the defensive side. I think he could be terrific at slot receiver. I think he could be terrific on defense. Um, you know, 
you don't throw out Earl Thomas comparisons, but <laughs> from a high school standpoint, he's some similar in his playmaking ability, right? I mean, I don't think any of us knew Earl, Earl Thomas, a man that being an NFL Hall of Fame player when we saw him at West Orange Stark in high school playing running back and, and, and safety and corner. So, But I think Billy Bowman could play on either side of the ball, but I really think Texas loves him long-term at nickel. Either of these kids play other sports besides football? Uh, Billy Bowman, I, I believe, runs track. Okay, that's always a good sign, in my opinion. Um, I, I and well, you that, know, I've seen Billy a lot. I've seen Billy more than Jatavion because Billy's come to our Prime Twenty One Dion Summer Camp two years in a row, and he is, excels in that. When your kid excels on best on best, even if it's without pads on, you kind of take notice, right? And, and the kid welcomes competition. And he excels against really good players, no matter if he's playing wide receiver, no matter if he's playing defensive back. And that always sticks out with me. And Billy Bowman's father, obviously, is, in a, is a high school football coach. And so that's something you take into account as well. He's really grown up around the game. Gotcha. Uh, is uh, Alex De La Torre up there coaching? Yes. And okay. Aaron. Okay. I got you. Both of them are on Denton Ryan's staff? Yep. Got it. And I think they both uh, were at – I think the video when Jatavion Sanders committed actually came from the De La Torres. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. That's great. Uh, I, I tell you what, you know, uh, once again, I'm talking with Jerry Hamilton of ESPN. He's filling in uh, this week for Mike Roach. Mike is on the, uh, on the travel circuit this week. So Jerry was kind enough uh, to join us. Um, one more thing real quick. Uh, I want to I want to mention that we have another podcast uh, to promote, and that's the Blitz. Uh, it's run by Jeff Howe, who is also one of Jerry and I's really good friends. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so uh, Jeff and Rod Babers and those guys run the Blitz every week, uh, and so please uh, try to subscribe to that as well if you get a chance and enjoy. Uh, talking the University of Texas football, Mike Roach will be on the Blitz this week, taking your, taking some Q and A, so that that'll be another chance for you to get some more recruiting information. Uh, Jerry, you mentioned uh, Earl Thomas, and uh, he came, of course, out of the West Orange Stark program. You know, people don't. I, I think that it's easy to sit back in hindsight, hindsight and say, "Wow, this kid is different," or "That kid's different." Um, but, but, uh, Earl Thomas is one of those guys that certainly was, and I did not expect us to talk about Earl Thomas today at all, <laughs> but I, I'll never forget Dwayne Aquina telling me the story. Dwayne, of course, the defensive back coach for Texas in the Mac Brown era. Dwayne Aquina is going down to West Orange Stark to recruit Dion Beasley the previous year. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, Dwayne said he walked over to, uh, go watch Dion Beasley and, and one of the trainer slash assistant guys that just happens to hang out at practice um, knocked him on the shoulder and said, you know, everybody's over here watching Dion or well, I can't remember what his nickname was, but you need to go over here and watch this running back. And it, <laughs> it was Earl Thomas playing running back for West Orange Stark. Bobby, and I'll add to that. I went to the West Orange Stark Jasper game when Earl was a junior uh, Dion was a senior. Uh, I went to Jasper uh, earlier that day to talk to their coaches, and there was a kid named Sean Weatherspoon. Oh, who yeah. Plays yeah, yeah. Wide linebacker. receiver yeah. and linebacker. And, and it's crazy how recruiting is. That night on the field, 
Dion Beasley was easily the most highly recruited player and was the third best player of those guys. Sean Weatherspoon and Earl Thomas were at a different level on the field that night. Um, and, and that always stuck out with me. You know, the one thing you'd never know, you really, sometimes, you know, not never, sometimes you don't, you know, but does the kid study film? Does he love football at the end of the day? Is he going to maximize his talent? And it was funny because I always look back on that game and Sean Weatherspoon and Earl Thomas absolutely have maximized their talent. Sean had some injuries in the NFL, obviously, but both are first round picks and neither one of them were nationally recruited like a lot of kids, but those kids were very intelligent in in the classroom, very intelligent on the film study and maximize their talent. Oh, well, I, I think, I, I think Witherspoon is the, the poster boy for Missouri football um, in, in, from a recruiting perspective in Texas. I mean, that's, they would come in late after Mac filled up his classes in Missouri, kept recruiting and, and trying to find guys late. And, and Sean well, Witherspoon was a perfect example of that. It, it, and he was committed to Houston to Art Browse at the time was his only scholarship offer. And the crazy thing about Sean Weatherspoon, not to get on a tangent about this, but he was thousand plus SAT student body president. Yet he didn't really have the ability to go out to Oklahoma A&M and Texas camps and shake the hands and hug people and do everything it took to really get early recruited. So he's one of the more overlooked talents I've seen in my years doing this. Gotcha. Uh, by the way, Earl, Earl Thomas played running back and defensive end and linebacker at times in, in high school. So yes. don't 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 uh, underestimate the uh, the ability to change positions once you get on campus. Uh, Quandre Diggs is another one that rarely played in the secondary at times for for I mean it's just all over the place. Quentin Jammer was a quarterback. Played uh, all over the place. Yeah, Absolutely. you, you just got Andre digs all over the place. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, if, if those types of guys, you just gotta. Sometimes you gotta bite the bullet, and I know college coaches, including some at Texas at times, uh, have wanted in the past to take these cookie cutter guys. Hey, he's got to be playing DB or got to. Uh, you know, Texas almost lost out on Kenny Vaccaro because Kenny Vaccaro played wide receiver mostly in high school and was working out at wide receiver at Texas's camp. Yep, and until. He, on the last day of camp, he moved over to defensive back. He wasn't going to get an offer from Texas. And, you know, four years later, he's making a lot of money in the NFL. Um, right. You know, I think I think those are those are all interesting stories. Jerry, what about uh, – you, you mentioned that this really, this LSU game and how the rest of the season plays out kindly, kind of will mostly – uh, matter for the 2021 campaign and beyond from a recruiting perspective. But Texas still is recruiting a few kids for the 2020 group. Is there anybody kind of new that you think people should know about or know more about right now? Uh, I think the name, I think, yeah, I think the name's out there and I'll, I won't pronounce his last name correctly, but Loic Finoji, uh, the receiver at Midland Lee, who was a kid I really like, Bobby. He may not be qualify as a blazing fast athlete. I just think he's a really good athlete with long arms and good hands at the wide receiver position. Uh, plays for Clint Hartman up at Midland Lee. I think he's had two really good games to start his senior season. And that's a kid they went up and watched him play basketball in December. I, I, I can't remember if it was Meekins or, or uh, Drew Maringer or maybe both. And I think they wondered how big this kid was going to get because he's closing in on a legit 6'4 and 200 pounds right now. 
Um, but I think that there was some concern was how big is this kid, kid going to get? Where is he going to fit? Uh, but I think on senior video, I mean, he's obviously running a bunch of go routes. We both, both watch the senior video. But if you kind of combine that with the junior video, I just like the kid as a player. Look, he's a punter. He's the kicker. He play, you know, he's a play soccer. He's a multi-sport athlete. He's got really good feet for a 6'4", 200-pound kid. I think that's one to watch. If Texas – you know, doesn't roll out that red carpet for that kid. He probably goes to Oklahoma state. So those kids are normally a problem from West Texas, right? They go to Oklahoma state. So something to keep in mind there, you know, I'll throw out another one that Texas, I think continues to watch here uh, because the receiver position, everybody talks about Ty Jordan, which I obviously is a Texas uh, lean at running back. Alfred Collins at defensive end is a Texas lean. And that's a huge one. And then obviously Texas is still trying on Keely Ringo. You try on that one until the very end, but wide receiver position, Texas needs a slot receiver in this class. Um, and then Dominic Hill is a kid who's committed to South Carolina from Orlando Jones was a high school teammate of Marcus Tillman. I think Texas is quietly keeping tabs there. They're watching that senior video of that kid. That's a kid that had them intrigued. Typical Florida kid, um, not developed physically. And, and for those that have followed Marcus Tillman from high school until now, you see how quickly his body's blown up under Yancey. So Dominic Hill's a kid, just to maybe a name to remember um, at, at wide receiver. I'm not saying he's going to get offered. I'm not saying they're going to go after him. But this staff continues to – one thing they've proven they do really well is continue to evaluate kids through senior year. What about Kelvante Dixon, Keontae Ingram's brother over at Carthage? I know he's committed to, to Jeff Trailer and, and Chad Morris up at Arkansas, but they still kicking the tires there? I mean, is he even coming in for games? I, I mean, I, I don't know how much the tires are being kicked. I think if they are, it's being qu- quietly done right now. Now, I, I love the Texas class, Bobby, but this is one I just I, I don't agree with with them on. I would have offered Kelvante Dix. I mean, kids that triple jump 46 and run 10-8 after a major injury his sophomore year, uh, tough East Texas kids that are versatile. I mean, Arkansas is talking about playing the kid at running back as well as wide receiver. So I think the kid could play on either side of the ball. Um, I, that's one that I actually think it may end up being a miss in this class. But if they're kicking the tires, it's happening quietly. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, any, uh, you know, we, we start talking about this and it's really, I guess we're into week three of the football season from a, or three or four from a high school perspective. Any kids around the state of Texas that you hear of that are just starting to have great senior season seasons? Um, off the top of my head, not, not yet. Um, I, I think, I think that will definitely start to pop up, um, off the top of my head, not really somebody that I'm just like, okay, here's your guy. Gotcha. Uh, I've always thought the linebacker at North Shore committed to Miami is a really good player, Corey Flagg. He's just he's just so productive. I don't care if he's 5'10", 210 pounds or not. The kid's just a productive, really good football player. I, I think the corner, uh, Jade Barron at Pflugerville Connolly committed to Baylor is a really good football player as well. I, so those are a couple of kids that I kind of have my eye on as a senior. Uh, you know, look, Corey Flagg is, is a kid that uh, if you're looking for a, just a productive linebacker that makes a lot of tackles, makes is always around the football, I think he's a guy who could get some second 
looks from in-state programs as a senior, maybe the, the A&Ms in Texas is a world, but uh, that's, that's one that I have my eye on. I think he's going to have a really good year because everybody obviously is talking about the issues Zach Evans is having at North Shore right now, but they forget how talented of a team that really is and how good some of those players are. And I think Corey Flagg is a tremendous football player. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that, that Shadrick Banks wasn't the best player. Right for North Shore in that state title game last year. Actually, I think he was. So, hey Bobby, hey, I have a question for you real quick. Yep. What is the – because it's something I want to get into with the 2020 class and 2021 class. What's the most impressive thing about how Texas is evaluating and recruiting to you right now? Uh, the thoroughness. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's by far the most important thing. I mean, I, look, I mean, when I first got into recruiting – you were lucky to get videotape because so many people were still yes. on 18 or 16 millimeter film. And so you had to cut the film to videotape. And, I, and so I really think that Texas was behind the times on that from the very get go uh, compared to A&M because that's kind of the, the time period, those, those uh, late 80s, early 90s. And personnel wise, Texas didn't have as many people committed to it. Uh, even during Mac Brown's tenure, he, he, you know, Mac did extremely well identifying the Vince Youngs and uh, Sergio Kendalls uh, of the world. Those those guys are not hard to find. It's the Sean Witherspoons and Earl Thomases that that tend to be. Um, and you know, Texas happened to get a little lucky with Earl Thomas, in my opinion, but uh, missed on a lot of other really talented players. I so I, I think that if I look at what Derek Chang, uh, Brian Carrington, those those guys, Bob Shipley, even from a, a uh, walk-on perspective, if I if I could say one thing that they have done from a recruiting perspective, it's it's thoroughness. Um, two a year ago, for example, Jerry, I mean, they were getting their butts kicked in state by A and M in recruiting. Um, yeah, Jimbo had uh, a lot of momentum and. You know, probably rightly so. Uh, but, you know, they went and found some pieces elsewhere that I didn't think they, they could really find that high quality guys, you know. And uh, so when you when that happens and you're able to uh, adjust, it's because you've been thorough. You've went and found a junior Angelou, you know, who all of a sudden is a starter. Uh, you went and got Trey Watson, who helped them at running back last year. Um, the, just the sheer number and thoroughness of what they're trying to do in their approach. I'm not saying they're perfect, because they're still not. Um, no, no one is. Um, but if I'm a – if someone's a donor to Texas and worries that their money is not being spent well in recruiting – uh, I'm sure not all of it is. I mean, some, like I said, nothing's perfect, but money is actually being spent on recruiting from a thorough yes. perspective. You know, they're not, yeah. they're, it's not lip service. There are guys back in, in their little bat cave watching film on 2022 kids today. And so that wasn't happening. I mean, at one point, Mac Brown's recruiting coordinator was his steps, or was his stepson. Right. So, I, it, you know, that, that doesn't, that just uh, that wouldn't fly um, in this day and age, 
you know. And so I, I, I think for the Texas fans that are listening to this, the thing, one of the things that stands out to me, and I 100% agree to thoroughness and evaluation is the best that's been at Texas since I've been in this business. I think, and you and I have talked about it, the length, the wingspans this staff are recruiting really impresses me. If you take the defensive line committee. Are you fans. talking about the actual physical players wingspan? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yep. I think they're identifying link very, very well. So Van Fillinger, Prince Liam, um, and, and uh, then you have Vernon Broughton. All the average wingspan for those three guys is 81 and a half inches or around 82 inches. Alfred Collins, another guy with 80 inch wingspan. And you look at now everybody's recruiting the 2021 offensive line class. It's a great one in Texas, but just something for the Texas fans to keep in mind there. So in 2020, if you hold on to three guys committed and you add Alfred Collins, you could argue that's the most length that Texas has recruited on the defensive line in a long time. That doesn't mean you're going to go get sacks, but it's great for Yancey to build upon that offensive line class in 2021. Uh, we've had a lot of those guys come through uh, the Under Armour camp circuit. Tommy Brockermeyer, Donovan Jackson, Savion Bird, Ruben Fothery, they all have over 80-inch wingspans. So it's just something that just kind of put in the memory bank for the Texas fans there. Texas doing a great job recruiting length and signing length, I think, on the offensive and defensive lines. That 2021 class, I mean, think about this, Bobby. Savion Bird is a 6'3 half, almost 6'4 tackle, 81-inch wingspan. Yeah, you said, the, mean, you said the other day that he's playing only defense this year. He's playing only defensive tackle for Duncanville, it looks like, right now. Will they move in the playoffs or something? I don't know. But I think they lost a lot off their defensive front off that team last year, and so they have a need for him there on defense. But he absolutely projects the offense at the next level. Gotcha. And, uh, and I'll, t- I'll tell you another one, Bobby. We the One of the better move-ins to the state in a while, and North Shore got him, Jaden Roberts. If you haven't watched hmm. him, Texas fans, if you haven't watched him, he moved in from Kansas. He's I think he's, he's one of the better offensive guard prospects we've evaluated in the last three or four years. Jaden Roberts at North Shore is a big-time talent. So add another offensive lineman from within the state lines to that 2021 class. And that's next year. Yeah. Hey, uh, big performers last week, uh, two that come to my mind. from One of them, the film actually got posted on, on the site, and I said, oh, who's this? And it was Quentin Johnson, the oh, yeah. receiver from Temple that – I think had seven catches for 200 plus and three or four touchdowns. And the, the video, it, it, you know how a couple times the LSU receivers just looked so athletic yes. and, and big. I, I felt like I was watching that um, as he played, played last week. And then B. John Robinson, the running back out of Tucson, Arizona, that's committed to Texas, chose Texas over a host of national schools. He rushed for 500 yards last week. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and, and, and you look, we both know he doesn't play great comp- competition, but he makes it look so effortless. Uh, look, I mean, there's something to be said for just how he sticks his foot in the ground and he the way he cuts um, and just 
he has got great vision. Great vision to me has always made it look effortless for a running back. And it's not like he doesn't have the measurables too. And, Absolutely. And so, so, I mean, I always, you know, there's used to be running backs in the Valley all the time, Bradley Stevens and all these right. guys that, oh, well, he's, look, he's rushing for 400 yards a game. And, and, you know, the obvious retort is, yeah, but he's playing against marginal competition at best. And there's some truth in that. I mean, there is absolutely some truth in that as you look at recruiting. At the same time, when it's the best you can do and you still have those measurables, you, you gotta you gotta understand that that's probably part of the part of the issue. He can't help where he plays high school football. No, and you think about it, and this is what I would say to any <clears throat> Texas fans that questions the competition there. So think about the best running backs that have ever come out of Texas. A lot of them played at East Texas small schools. They didn't play against the best competition. Billy Sims, Billy Sims played at Hooks. I mean, my dad and the Friendswood staff still uh, they still celebrate holding the guy to 220 yards in a state championship game in '73. But you know, those guys don't always play against great competition, but they're great players. Uh, to your point, and uh, you know, 500 yards is a, a lot of work and that takes a lot of great vision and great feet and great talent and understanding how to run through contact. And he's not even hit much, but when he does, he runs through contact. He's got strong thighs and hips. He's a tremendous running back prospect. You talk about stats and, and they're what, if they matter or don't matter. One of the things that I always watch for from a quarterback is accuracy. Yeah. I mean, so last week, one of the things I thought going in is that Joe Burrow had taken the next step for LSU simply because he was 23 of 27 against, uh, was it Georgia? Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, okay. 23 of 27, that, that, I don't care who you're playing. If they've got pads on, that's an impressive mark from a, from a quarterback, mm-hmm. even if you're throwing swing passes all day. That, yeah, absolutely. That, and that I mean, showed, and that translated. He didn't have, he wasn't, didn't have that completion percentage against Texas, but it was close enough. And so I think that from a stat perspective, one of the things that almost always translates in, from high school to college is, is your, are your accuracy numbers. I mean, almost always, unless you're going from a South Lake Carroll, which is a prolific offense. Or a Shreveport Evangel is even worse. We've talked about that, where they just they're throwing to spots as opposed to um, you know mid-range programs becoming better programs because of the accuracy of their quarterback. I 100 percent agree. I mean, you, you think back to the old Vince Young, Reggie McNeil days, right? <laughs> You're a big part of those rankings. Reggie McNeil was never an accurate passer in high school. Right. I mean, even though they won state, he was never an accurate passer. I I think he threw more balls at the feet of wide receivers than any really tremendous just individual talent I've ever seen. And that is continued on in college with him. And I'm sure you can speak to that. But uh, when you were ranking those guys back then, but that always stuck out with me because I went to Lufkin. Uh, You grew up in Houston watching Vince. And I thought Vince was a more accurate passer. Than Reggie McNeil was in high school. Oh, there's and it no, kind of that, proved out. That, that's there's no question about that. I mean, I watched them both, and the thing with Vince is, um, it got there awkwardly, but it got there. Yeah. Um, with Reggie, I mean, he could throw the. He had a strong arm. I mean, strong, incredibly strong arm. 
but I watched him one night against Aldine Nimitz um, go one for 14. Yep. And at the same time, he intercept, He played defense at the last second and intercepted a pass, pass on the goal line. I was like, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, this guy looks more like an athlete today than a quarterback. And, yep. and I, from that fo- point forward, that just stuck in my mind. And then I did see him, like you said, they did win the, na- the state championship that year. And he had grown as a quarterback. He had start, stopped trying to just, you know, rip the heck out of the ball every time. But at the same time, he still hadn't made enough progress that made me think that he was the next coming. And whereas Vince was learning to be an athlete at the quarterback position, I think really from the time he was a junior, I saw him play in the, the Astrodome against Katie and Gary Joseph's defense back when Mike Johnson was there. Gary Joseph uh, talked to me after that game and just said, I can't believe this kid's made this kind of progress. I mean, he was a grown man as a high school junior. And so I I, I always look back at that, and, and you and I both know everybody has their opinions, and this is a, a great segue to kind of finish this off at. Everybody has their opinions about players. They're not all right or all wrong. The smartest guy in the room is you don't know who that is until, you know, four or five years later. <laughs> and so, right. so the well, thing and, that, and the the kid, thing that always gets me – the yep. kids have to do their part and continue to develop on no, their own. They have to want to be a great player. No doubt. No doubt. But the thing that always gets me is seeing a kid in person, um, in my opinion, and really getting a feel for them is worth infinitely more than what you only see on film. Because you, right. you get a feel for what they do. On, I mean, Robert Timmons. If you watch Robert Timmons' high school tape, you would think you're watching the second coming of – Marvin Harrison. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, no, I mean, he just made play after play after play. You go to a high school game, he sits by himself on the end of the bench. Yep. M- you know, ducks his head. Not part not of the coachable. team. Not coachable. Yep. And so you get a different feel. Does he have A++ talent? There's no question. Is he an A++, A++ player? That's a different different deal whenever you get to – to, to college, and obviously, if you're a Texas fan, you kind of remember how uh, Timmons flamed out. Uh, had a yep. couple of uh, uh, glimpses of uh, excellence, and then just never made it. And by the way, before I know we got to get out of here, the last thing you asked me about the you know kind of Texas game. One of the things I failed to mention was Devin Duvernay's play at the slot position. Um, I think he's on pace for like a 150 catch season. If he continues that productivity, don't un- Texas fans don't underestimate how much that helps in slot receiver recruiting for this staff moving forward. A little Jordan Humphrey, great year last year. Devin Duvernay is a better. I think he's a better player just because he, he's just never going to do the wrong thing and he catches everything and he's so dependable. But if he continues to produce like he is and you have back-to-back slot receivers that have those type of seasons, don't underestimate what that does for uh, recruiting that position moving forward. And JoJo Earl obviously is a top target 2021, but Texas still wants a, a, a slot in 2020. You know, they don't haven't given up on Mookie Cooper yet either. It, whether they should or not, that's a different story, but they haven't given up on him. Gotcha. Well, Jerry, uh, once again, we, we, uh, we've got, got to run out of time here, but uh, 
Jerry Hamilton joined me today, uh, Bobby Burton, uh, for State of the Recruiting, our State of Recruiting. Uh, Mike Roach was on the road. And Jerry, we re- really, really, really appreciate your time. Uh, and uh, best of luck to you always. And uh, how do we get a hold of your stuff if, if we want to find it uh, either online or, or however? Yeah, it's ESPN Don, ESPN.com. Just go to football recruiting or um, Hamilton ESPN on Twitter. Uh, DM me, ask me anything you want, and that may take me a while to get back to you, but I will get back to you if you have a recruiting question you want to DM to me. Jerry, thanks for your time, bud. You got right. it, Bob. Talk to you soon. All right, that's it for uh, the state of recruiting. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton. Mike Roach will be back with me next week. Also, remember, you can subscribe to another Longhorn podcast called The Blitz with Jeff Howe. That's it for this week. We'll see you after the rice game.